Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Monica Badu about email copywriting. Sounds simple enough, ultimately very important, very simple and yet complex topic. Uh, Really excited to get into this. Monica is a conversion copywriter and copy coach specializing in helping uh, course creators with their copywriting. So when we first spoke, Monica, I feel like I made an immediate connection with you um, because your passion for copywriting and for simple copywriting and no bullshit, as you say, non-spammy copywriting um, is something I'm really excited to talk about today. So thanks for coming on the show, Monica. Thanks for having me. And I think this is going to be one of those episodes people are going to want to rewatch or re-listen several times. Lots to take away, I imagine. Um, yeah. Always tons of tips on email. There's so many things people can get tips on. But I feel like we all see emails every day and almost always think they suck. We're always like, I don't like this. You never look. Okay. Rarely you look at an email and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. It's usually like repurposed something somebody used 10 years ago at best that seemed effective. Um, Spammy stuff. So I think we're looking to solve that problem today, right? Yeah, I think people are going to like what I'm going to say because, you know, everybody expects to hear some kind of the ultimate secret to, I don't know. I was hoping you had that. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> well, the, the secret is actually very simple. The secret is being very natural in what you write and remembering that you're talking to a human being and you talk with respect and you treat that person with respect. And that's the problem with lots of marketing content nowadays because it's so vague and it doesn't really take into account the fact that the person who spends their time reading or watching your content has actively decided to give you his attention. If they buy, he's going to give you his hopes, his time, and his money. And that's not something you should treat easily, especially for someone who's in business for the long term. Because that's where email marketing and copywriting can make the difference. If you take the time to talk to your audience, to build trust and reputation, and actually connect with them, then you're going to be in this for the long haul. But then if you want to make money fast, you're going to do what everybody does and have your emails and copy get ignored. Right. You're going to be the um, the Nigerian prince or something like that. That's what I feel like every email, even when I know it's a legitimate business. I'm like, I recognize this brand. And yet I feel like they're trying to trick me into buying their product right now. And it's so weird like, is this really going to happen? Are you going to trick me into, like, I'm not in line at the grocery store picking gum here. It's It you know, seems very bizarre. It's a thing of volume or quantity over quality. If you send enough messages, someone is going to buy it. That's kind of the marketing that we have today and we've been having for the past 20 years. Send enough content, go to social media, go to YouTube, do PR, whatever. Like the Coca-Cola style, right? They're all over the place. Do enough and people will start to associate you with a specific category of products. 
The problem is that consumers have become a lot more aware of the choices they have. And it's not just Coca-Cola anymore, right? You have healthy, healthy alternatives. You have less branded alternatives, more flavors or whatever. You have plenty of other options at hand. So you're going to be able to find somebody else and just ignore the 10 other people who are trying to sell you, you know, the stuff that doesn't sound real. Interesting. That's the I think that strategy also, when you mentioned things like Coca-Cola and they're marketing somewhere where they have a captive audience. So they're marketing brand because it's a billboard. Somebody's going to see it. It's a commercial on TV, on the radio, whatever it is. They're they're there and experiencing that. But with email, it's not a captive audience. They move on sometimes when they see the name without even, you know, not opening the email. Most emails get deleted probably because they're like, I recognize that name for the 10th time today. I recognize that subject line or whatever it is. Um, it's not a captive audience. So yeah, it seems like you have to kind of give a little more something of interest. Yeah, your email is not the only email in your inbox. And it's not even their only priority for the day. It's not even the only thing they're looking at in the 30 seconds they're opening their inbox. So if you want to catch their attention, you should find more creative ways to talk to your audience, but in a way that matters to them. That's why I'm saying this is very simple because it goes back to the most basic thing in marketing. Your business is not about your business. It's not about your product. It's about the need or the problem you are solving for your audience. And the problem is many brands nowadays, they don't have products that actually solve a need or a problem. They just invented the product and they're trying to find an audience. And that's why you have all those you know, vague stuff and so many companies that are leading with discounts and bundles and one-time limited deals or whatever. So that is a problem. If your product doesn't solve any problem, it's hard to pitch with that. So I guess I'd say it seems like we need to clarify who we're talking about here and what type of email, because do we really, do we want to talk about companies that have a product that doesn't solve any problem? That's kind of a nice to have, or because they got a different problem. You can help them fix their email copy, but who cares? You get one step farther down the con of something nobody really needs or wants so I think for the purpose of this episode, obviously B2B show, we're always talking B2B. So we're going to be talking B2B. Sometimes we'll use examples like Coke or something to get a point across, but we're talking about B2B companies that have a product that actually solves a problem, I guess. Let's not waste time on companies that suck. Like if your company sucks, don't even listen to this episode. Focus on that. <laughs> we're, go for, Unless your product is in in line, don't worry about your marketing. You shouldn't be here. Go to a product uh, show or something. Um, so if you have a product that actually solves a problem and it's just a matter of how do I write this email copy to get across to people, um, is that kind of, am I getting it right here with who yeah. we're really talking yeah. to? Yeah, okay. and the answer is very simple. Know your audience and know what it is that they want to hear, what they're struggling with, and be not time effective so i can give you an example for i don't remember well i I remember the name but i'm not going to mention it so one of the biggest companies in market research they have been promoting um, 
consumer trends report for this year for the last six months on, on Facebook. And I've been seeing that ad. It drove me crazy. Eventually, I signed up. The landing page was a mess, whatever. I so it drove you so went, crazy you signed up. <laughs> yeah. And then I signed up. I got the report. And then nothing else happened for like one month. And then I started to receive emails from our representative saying, hey, would you like to talk business? Because I I know you downloaded that. And I was like, yeah, a month ago. And I didn't answer. I so got you can see their emails. cycle. You can see they got it all. Nobody did anything. They were busy. They were busy. They processed. Eventually, they're like, hey, we got to do something with all these people. Exactly. And that's the case of like a big company, but it's not just them. A lot of people in business, in B2B, they do that. Obviously, if you're like a small business, I understand you have so many different things to do. But this part with how you treat your leads and what happens once a lead signed up and they gave you your con- their content information, that's super important. Maybe they don't buy right now. You right. don't have to convince them to buy right now because maybe they're not where you need them to be. Like their problem is not big enough. But if you don't spend your time nurturing and offering education and helping them see w- how you can help them be a partner in their business, you're going to end up one month later looking at, hey, we don't have any new leads. Who are we talking to? Like our sales department doesn't have any prospects. Well, let's look at who else got our contact information a month ago and let's badger them with cold email to see if they book an appointment. So it sounds like a conversation where basically you said hi or the company says hi, the prospect says hi back, and then there's no response for a while. And then two days later, you come back and start, hey, let's chat. Like, what the heck is going on around here? It's a little disconnected. Exactly. I see that happening a lot. And it's such a shame because especially for small businesses, email marketing can deliver so many benefits. Like if you have that automated sequence that has like the, the only goal it has is to nurture your prospects, your leads into understanding what you do, how you do it and why it matters for them. And later on, when you do have an opportunity to say, hey, I'm taking new clients in, are you in? Would you like to talk and see how we can work together? And you're not even selling anything at that point. You're just having conversation because in business to business, you're kind of equal partners in this. You need his business to grow your business and he needs your business to help him grow his business. So it all goes back to that respect and simplicity of having a conversation conversation because if i'm if i meet with a business owner over coffee and he starts talking to me about what he does and why he does it and why he's so passionate and the kind of results he's had with other companies with our other clients that's your message there that's your copy that's what you need your emails to do right interesting so the more conversational type of copy we're getting here a bit into the um the funnel kind of emails right where it's you've already had interaction not just cold emails so for the audience Mm -hmm. to know we're going to be talking about both uh cold email copywriting as well as the importance of hey once you get that cold response you got to do something with it which is frequently a continual follow-up 
basically you can lose somebody at any point. <laughs> Once you get them on the line, though, you might want to uh, focus a little more on keeping them there. So it seems the initial cold email, incredibly important to getting people's attention or cold emails. Maybe it's a sequence of them. Um, but the follow-up emails kind of more important since people have a much higher value once they've interacted with you once, even if it's just, I don't know, requesting a PDF or a white paper or signing up to download something or whatever it is. Um, it's very important. If you had them had them uh, commit to that first decision, first interaction with you, and you have their attention, you have their attention, you have their trust, even if they haven't purchased anything, they still did something to talk to you, to see what you're about. They were looking to see how you can help them. So that's super important. And I, again, I see that so often. It's like we focus so much on getting that first reply or that email in and then nothing else happens. It's pointless. Right. So the the focus on the nurture. Um, it seems, I remember our earlier conversation, something I want to make sure we touch on here. There is a different types of companies, let's say, even within B2B. We have uh, companies that have, let's say, something that's a unique problem they're solving. And with those, maybe it's easy to just say, here's the problem we solve. Come check it out or something like that. But then you have companies that are more commodities, like my company, very much a commodity. Unless somebody needs it right then, and eventually they do, usually companies do. It's just something where you're kind of around, almost like getting insurance or something like that. Um, you know, you can rarely impulse buy insurance, but chat GPT comes out, they can send out a message. Well, they don't even have to send out messages, but they could saying, hey, check out this AI. Just come here and ask it a question and people would interact probably because they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. I want to interact. Let me ask it a question. Let me do this. Let me do that. Most companies aren't that way, though. I think more companies are like ours where it's a, they're going to need this at some point and we have to be there or around when they do. It's unlikely now. I remember the old strategy for us was you just hammer everybody all the time because some of them are looking right now and you hope to get those good timing people. Um, the strategy we have moved to over the years is something that I think you practice, which is the more of the just kind of be around. So when they're ready, you're there type of a thing rather than constantly pitching everyone, hoping some, you know, the guy at the bar throwing pickup lines at everybody. It's like, maybe don't mm -hmm. throw pickup lines, just hang out and say hi and talk to people. Um, that kind of a, always being around with, with information and, and, and that kind of education. thing. And then, like you said, following up education. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Cause even if you're like a big company and you have that innovative product, and you have like 100K in your list, not all 100K people are gonna pay attention just because their life is very different. Everything happens around them. But some people, just as you said, they're gonna be paying attention either because they're in the problem right now. Maybe they have a new course, a new product. They're trying to scale or whatever. They need cash flow and they're gonna need that specific service. But other people, you can draw them in with education. And that's where a combination um, that I call context and relevancy, that's where that combination works really well in delivering content that keeps them nurtured and taps into different uh, 
pain points over time. So let's say um, Black Friday is coming, Q4 is coming, right? And um, e-com, a lot of uh, small businesses who are doing like gifts, maybe, I know, holiday travels, whatever. They're going to need a way to increase the number of leads they have right now, even if it's August. So your next campaign can start in, hey, it's uh, August 1st. We, we have one month left until the holiday season kind of kicks in. Traffic goes up, sales go up, but it's very important for you to prepare your system right now. Here's how you do that. Here's how we do it. We also have like a case study or we invited someone from on, a, on our pod, podcast to tell you what are the best strategies to talk to your prospects before Q4 hits. Because when that happens, everybody's going to throw deals at your audience. So what do you do right now to make sure that when Black Friday hits, they think of you and they actually are looking for your brand in their inbox. So you can create these kinds of like really context-based emails that educate, keep them nurtured. You can start with just like value content, nothing to be sold, and then you can lead them into a promotion if that's what you what you're after. But this way of doing email marketing where you're not always hammering for buy this now, buy this now, it's a lot more effective in the long run. Because people who haven't paid attention, the 90% of people who haven't paid attention, they haven't bought now because they weren't in the problem, they're going to pay attention later when you talk about the subject that they're familiar with and it's relevant to them. Hmm. So in your case, you have lots of like, the whole business-to-business -business segment could benefit from what you do. But maybe, like in Q4, the e-com business would benefit more from this rather than, I know, the restaurant business. Versus like for Valentine's Day and March, when there are lots of like dinners and romantic events, the restaurant business would benefit more from having access to a list of prospects or, I don't know, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So it can be very specific to your audience and always use the context of what's happening in their life right now. Because right. there's a big chance they're already aware. Yes, I know Black Friday is coming. It's like in two months from now. Obviously, last month, last year sucked. I would like to do better this year. How? Right. And I know I've seen, um, I've seen messages from tax preparers taxes are due next week are you and i'm like it's a little late maybe to be pitching me by email for your tax service you might have been like hey your taxes are going to be late in months do you have somebody to handle it come a little ahead of time so, something like that there's certain times where things are relevant you need to preload that you had mentioned something and again sorry to bring up off the air stuff but it's very important i think for this conversation on emails in my mind, the giving value in emails, it was always I use the analogy of, uh, oh, you want to talk to somebody, you buy them a drink or something like that. And it was actually giving, giving. Um, and of course, you have things like white papers and case studies and stuff like that. But you mentioned an FAQ. And just, mm -hmm. okay, what content are you going to have for your emails? Well, do you have an FAQ within your industry? You can just send one question and answer in an email. Boom, there's content with value. 
some of the people will see that and oh yeah always wondered that it's like industry specific uh trivia or something almost <laughs> or snapple yeah. cap type information it's like that's a whole email that just reminds them you're there and you're you know you you're that's in this industry a very good point and you can actually use that to tackle objections to bust false beliefs and even to position yourself uh, against your comp competition right so you make a list of the biggest fears or concerns or problems your target audience has with your industry. And then you just start to tackle those. And at the end, if you want, you can have a small call to action that says, hey, are you struggling with this? We're always here to help you. Reply to this email or call us at and we'll be uh, happy to talk to you. Right. So here's an answer to something. And then, hey, if you're in, if you need this kind of stuff, that's what we do um, below yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, I, I love you that can. one, just the simplicity of it. And I think the effectiveness for the end user, where, again, you're not just getting proposed constantly or said, how can I get you in a new car today? Every minute of every yeah. email, how can I what can I do to get you like, no, you can say, um, oh, I guess another similar industry to the car dealerships. I notice real estate people. Um and that is kind of a long thing where it's like, you're really going to grab the people who are looking to buy or sell right now. You probably need to be around. And something they do that I think is pretty effective, and initially it was annoying, is dropping these flyers constantly that have houses in the area that they've either sold or are selling. Because hmm. when you are looking to do anything with a house, that becomes of interest. And you're like, oh, what are other houses selling for? If you have a house, you're just always, what are they, what's selling? What are they selling for? What's the prices? And then suddenly you find yourself, oh, I'm consuming their information. And now, yeah, they're they're kind of in. If I if I am ever looking for something, I, hey, I have all these flyers I get regularly and I actually look at and consume instead of throw away. Um, I think because they're just giving information like that on a regular basis. Like, ever wonder what your neighbor's house is selling for? Well, <laughs> here it is. Exactly. Exactly. That's a really great way to talk about this, especially if you're... Uh, you know, a local realtor, like, I know, you serve a very specific area, I know, one state or a smaller, not smaller usually like city. a neighborhood almost around here. It's this, this guy exactly. covers like a handful of blocks almost is all they it's it's they're like drug dealers. They have their turf and I don't know if they cross over into other people's areas. And I know this is kind of a B2C topic talking about real estate, but just analogizing it to to the B2B stuff with the type of information you can give to just to be in the conversation. Yeah, the, the problem with B2B is that you often struggle to find the right email address, you know, to send your content. And you hope that, you know, you kind of appealing to the right person. And, and there's a workaround there as well, because, um, Sometimes you're going to you go like to a company that has those addresses like mountaintopdata.com or something like that. And <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's why we exist um, is to try to prepare. But think about like, who is going to receive your emails? Is it like the CEO? Is it the manager of a department and make your emails very specific to that person? You, you can say, Hey, I know Sky, I know you're busy. You're a founder. You're a, um, owner, you're the owner of this business. I know every day you have like a long list of things to do. And sometimes all, all you'd love to do is just hang out with your kids, even though sometimes even they drive you crazy. Wouldn't it be amazing 
for at least one thing to not be on that exhausting to-do list. It could be any of these things. Well, we specialize in this. And here's how we were able to help Monica, who is the founder of this company, get back one hour of her time per week. Right. Spend so more you time with your kids or do whatever other thing you might want to suggest exactly. they might want to do. Exactly. So think about who it is that you're talking to in your emails. Think about what's going on at their job. What are the responsibilities? What do they hate about the job? Like, what are the things that they hate and would like to do less? What are the things that they would love to do more? Both a job, in their career, at home, in their personal life. And think about how is your company helping them achieve those things? Because everybody, right. you can talk about, you know, this phone has the best camera ever or whatever. I can find another phones with a really good camera. But how is that going to help right. me? Particularly What's if every phone look- has a good camera now. If you had the first phone that had a camera on it, great selling point. Now, kind yeah. of a commodity. Not many people care about the megapixels on the phone. I don't know when the last time I heard about that was. Like they all take way too big of pictures. Um, not so. It's interesting. It seems like um, when you're hitting on the specific kind of pain points, if you have a product that can solve something for somebody, you can put that out. Like we can take this. You hate reporting. You can just kind of pick one thing, like the FAQ. Picking that here's something some people in the audience might hate. Um, they hate making reports and we, that's what we do. We have this software that handles reports. So you can say, we know you hate reports. Check this out and yeah. get rid of your, all your reporting problems or whatever it is. Um, so when you're solving a specific problem, you can just focus on that. What the, kind of the things benefit of the benefit, let, that's what it's called or three levers, lev, levels of why, why hmm. do I need this? Because one, it's usually a feature. Because two, it's the benefit of the feature. Maybe it saves time. And benefit three is the benefit of the benefit. It saves you time so you can do benefit whatever. Right. Don't let your boss know you don't know Excel. Just get this reporting software. Something like that. (laughs) Um, So uh, talking about benefits, I have a a little note here around... um, not even benefits. Wow. I hope this this gets edited out. I'm going to embarrass myself. Um, I had a note about not benefits, but beliefs. The words were so close together. I just glanced down. Uh, false beliefs in email marketing was something I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure we touched on. Um, can you hit specifically on some of the, because I think a lot of people make a lot of mistakes based on that. They heard something somewhere and, and so they do these things that are really hurting their their campaigns can you touch on some of the false beliefs which i guess would just turn into things not to do (laughs) so um wow where do i begin um i know (laughs) email is that no it is not it's actually one of the most effective channels you have i was actually writing these emails today for the SEO industry and affiliate marketing. And lots of people think it's just about organic traffic. What do you do with that organic traffic? Regardless of the business you're in, email marketing is the channel that basically helps you own the traffic. I love that you're writing emails about promoting SEO. Like it's another channel, but they do promote each other. And yes, email is an owned channel. SEO, they can always change the algorithms and adjust this and adjust that. And 
But email, when you have somebody on your newsletter or even a purchase list that you're using to cold email, you own that information and you can reach out at extremely low cost compared to all the marketplaces mm -hmm. out there. You have to pay for every touch or something like that. Exactly. And the second one is thinking that you don't need email right now. That's not true. I was talking to a lady earlier today who has spent the last two years building her business with Facebook groups. And for the last six months, her business kind of went un like invisible just because the algorithm has changed. Facebook groups are not that visible in the newsfeed anymore. And she's like terrified. And I asked her, well, do you at least have a list of your customers? No. So if not even your customers are in a database with their emails, how do you expect to grow a business? Email marketing is part of the essential environment for any business. There's there's no discussion there. You don't have to email daily. You don't have to email even weekly if you don't. But you need to have email marketing as an asset in your business. Maybe you decide to sell that business later on. You can sell it with a list of 10,000 prospects, clients in your industry. That's going to help you increase the overall value. Multiply it. Multiplier. I think that's what it's called, like in flipping websites. Right. What's your newsletter size, people want to know? Because that's kind of your reach, your exposure. Your, I mean, how many you buy a business, how many clients do they have? You're buying their list of clients. But if you don't actually have a list of the clients... <laughs> exactly. Um, um, it's interesting. We found a while back, we decided to start sending an occasional email from marketing to existing clients and people our sales were actively working with anyway. We said, okay, we're just, we're going to send a general touch information email to all these people. And we were really shocked how many people responded because the salesperson had not been properly pursuing them. And that was the only touch they'd had was that email. And uh, sales happened from from that because the accountability, even using a CRM, still salespeople do things. They like to update contacts just to make sure it looks like they've pursued when they haven't. And yeah, yeah. you get people reaching out. Marketing and sales, they're not the same thing. That's something that a lot of businesses just don't understand is they are two different things that work together you need your marketing to work whether it's content marketing whether it's organic traffic coming into your website whatever that is email marketing and sales they work together like a charm you can't send a prospect to a salesperson if you've done nothing to nurture them that's your marketing right it happened, it's going to happen what happened to me with that marketing research company. It's like, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. You spent one month having my email and you haven't reached back. And when you do, you're giving me nothing, basically. So mm. that's that's annoying. I found also it's um, it's a way to really annoy salespeople. When what they're, they keep getting stuff that's a waste of time. And then they'll yell at marketing and say, Oh, you're not, the leads are, the leads are shit, you know? Yeah. And you say, well, yeah. no, it's you. And then that's the classic sales and marketing fight. Whereas if sales hands people, you know, somebody downloads the white paper on the market research study, whatever, and then that gets passed off to sales and they follow up the next day or the next week or sometime soon after 
sales is like, hey, thanks, marketing. Feed us more. We love this. But yeah, when you give them, when you do give them shit leads, they don't exactly appreciate spending all their time chasing people that have no interaction or are totally cold and, and, and that kind of stuff. You might as well just give sales the cold list and say, do some cold calling. Exactly. And um, the third one would be thinking that if you have a small list, it's not worth it. Think about the ROI you get from a client. If out of 200 people, one of them converts, what does that mean to your business? It, for many businesses, if you convert one of those customers per month, you would get 12 new customers per year. What's the return of investment on that? Is that well, super important? And a small list, some, we see people like, oh, the, it's a small list. Why bother? Then they're like, oh, it's too big of a list to handle. Like, well, <laughs> what's your sweet spot? I mean, you can use a large list, but that comes with more problems uh, to, to market to, really. Um, especially, you know, a purchase list has to be handled completely differently. People have a small list. That's kind of a nice thing. It's like, oh, good. You have a small list. Why Why can't you just send a regular email in an automated fashion to that? It, it should be very simple and inexpensive then. Yeah. And yeah. the fourth one, and I'm going to stop here because there are like, I could go on forever. The fourth one is if you converted once and you have a customer, you just don't email them anymore, or you maybe email them one or three weeks later asking for a review, but it will like give us some stars here and that's it. That's a major mistake. Your email marketing can actually help you convert your one-time customer into return customers and that's a lot easier to do than focusing on you know getting more visitors new leads converting those new leads into customers so even if you have a low number of customers right now add them to your email marketing list tag them so you'll know who they are and make sure you have automated emails you only do the work once have automated emails that teach them how to use what you just sold them whether it's a service or a product, show them that you're there for them. Position yourself as a partner and tell them whatever your problem is, please come back to me. My team is here to help you. We're always here to help you. We're in this together. We've noticed that as well. We would uh, have customers, they bought a list and then we come back and poke them every once in a while. Hey, you want to buy a new list? Hey, you want to buy a new list? Hey, you want to buy a new list? And then we send out an email like, Hey, here's our services. We do a pending, we do data cleaning, we do this, we do that. And people are like, oh, we didn't know. And somehow in the minds of our both our sales and our marketing, it was like, they came to us for this. They know everything we do because it's us, right? They're sitting in our <laughs> office every day and they care about what we do and know all of it. No, like, no, they don't know all your services. They probably forgot who you were the minute after they bought the product. So you, you do need to regularly remind them of the the services that you offer for people to be able to buy them. Like once you're in the door, especially. Um, so you're mentioning the sequences and setting up automatic emails, stuff like that. Um, I think a lot of people I've found aren't very familiar with all the software out there that that does all this stuff now. I mean, larger companies will have something like HubSpot set up. They'll have there's a handful of the big platforms, but there's a ton of little platforms that just work with Outlook 365 or whatever mailbox people have, setting up sending from your own email where they can set up these little sequences. Um, do you have any favorites in that area for uh, for setting up email sequences? Everyone sucks. 
everyone sucks. Everyone sucks, but everyone's better than nothing also. Exactly. So personally, I started using Active Campaign. It's been like two years. It's not perfect, but it's awesome if you want to do like really complicated automated sequence where everything is evergreen and you have 100 different triggers and functions that it's super fascinating for me. I've seen um, glimpses into businesses that were using it to have like a 364 days of automated content with like super complicated you know if the if the reader does that send him to this email which is very exciting but for most companies i don't know mailchimp works convert kit works you need them to be able to do automated sequences you need them to be able to assign tags so you can segment your people and that's so you can say that what most... sequence they get when kind of that kind exactly. of thing. Right. Exactly. And that's something I think nowadays all email marketing platforms are doing. Obviously not Gmail and Outlook. We're not talking about those. Right. Those, those are kind of the uh, email delivery systems that you set up within these platforms. A couple other that I've come across that seem um, pretty good at this stuff. Uh, Mailshake, Woodpecker, Inbox 25. You mentioned Mailchimp already. And there's a lot of them out there. You just email sequence software or pretty much anything you put in email software these days. It's all about these simple sequences. And so many of these softwares, I think people don't realize it's usually like less than $50 a month to sign up for these things. And even if you just set up like one sequence of five emails that you put things into, you, you have something you have something going and rolling now where you're touching these people. But that's the thing. Even if you're paying more than that, if your email marketing is converting, you're already getting your expenses out of that. It right. pays for itself and more. Because people need to start thinking long-term. You're in business. You know that saying, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Everybody nowadays is like, how do I make money fast how do i solve this problem now nobody's thinking where am where am i going to be in five years from now if a financial crisis comes now will my business survive and that's where having that relationship with your audience matters your clients are going to stick with you through the ugly, the bad, the hell, the whatever you want, and for the good times as well. But you need to have those interaction points that are not only based on give me your money, I have something to to sell to you. Right. So email Do you have money for me today? Do you have money for me today? Do you it's like you're a pimp or something all of a sudden, uh, just asking for money every day. <laughs> oh that that's a nice, nice metaphor. Don't yeah, be an email, email pimp, yes. Email marketing is an asset that delivers results long-term the more you focus on it and i'm not talking like daily or whatever the more you give your attention to that channel and make sure that it's it's a it's a good setup like the right people are seeing the right message at the right time you're gonna start to see results better and better and better over time it's not something you can snap your fingers and say okay tomorrow morning my email marketing is gonna be amazing you're gonna need to spend some time and put some hard work into it the well, same start with something i'd say start start yeah. something have one segment of here's all my customers let me send them a regular poke 
Yeah, action is your superpower. This is something I uh, got today from uh, talking to you're another copywriter. So action is your superpower. What's the superpower? Action. Action. Oh, okay. It's funny. That's a question. I thought, did you get that from me? That's a question I ask guests on the show sometimes. If you had one, so I'll ask you now. Uh, and I think I know what the answer might be. If you had one marketing superpower, what would it be? Mm -hmm. To be able to create really accurate consumer behavior profiles without doing the research. <laughs> it's got to be some sort of shortcut. Some people are like, I want all my emails opened. Um, everything hits the inbox. <laughs> uh, someone just says invisibility. I'm like, how's that? A, 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 okay. <laughs> um, yes, the marketing superpower. Uh, I, I like that. You want to be able to make the profiles without having to do the research. Yeah, because um, right now I have a really complicated uh, process that involves lots of time collecting data. Mm -hmm. And now I've been using ChatGPT to analyze it and compile it. But it's still a lot of time, even though it's something that I'm fascinated with. It's still a lot of time. So if anyone has a solution that handles that, you might want to reach out to Monica. <laughs> so ChatGPT, you bring up. Um, What's changing with copywriting in that? I mean, do you use it for copywriting, for prompts, for ideas? What do you think? Where do you think that's going to go? Is it going to take over? Can you just ask it, write me a sequence of 50 emails and, and it's just going to do it? Well, it can do it, but the quality of it is dubious to say the least. And this actually happened today. I was given feedback, I was given copy that was apparently written by another copywriter. And I was supposed to give feedback on it. And it was actually chat GPT stuff. You give it, hey, read this blog post and give me a summary. That was the actual email. And I was like, this is so bad. It's impossible to actually want to sell this email as something a human has created because that was not created by All a right. human. You got to start so over kind of a thing. Yeah. So with, with chat GPT, I think it's an amazing tool. More businesses should definitely use it. There's plenty of stuff it can do for you, but you need to think about what you're doing. So again, it's not just give, you don't give it the prompt and you expect 100% quality. There's a lot of work and back and forth to make sure that what you get is not only accurate, but it's actually, you know, it sounds natural. It talks about the actual benefits, not figures. And it sounds like something a human would say. Right. I noticed, um, I remember asking early on, asking it to oh, write an email promoting this, write an email promoting that. And it was it was very poor at it in that it it was making things up. It would make up features and throw them in there and make up benefits. And I was like, well, well we don't have a 14 day free trial. What are you talking about? That's not how we work. And it just makes things up and fills them in as if, so it was interesting ideas where I found it to be very effective was, and it's really about the prompting. I think I asked it to write a haiku promoting a specific product. Mm -hmm. um, and it did an amazing job. I've been trying to do marketing haikus for years and it was the best one I've ever seen. It's like, okay, it's better at haiku, haikus than humans are, I think. And at, at promoting this particular product, um, it was just beautiful. And I think it's about kind of about the prompt and what you expect it to give and whether it has the necessary information to give that 
was pretty key. That, like the necessary information is very important. So you asked about how I use it. Um, I have individual threads for every client I work with. And I use it for a couple of things. I don't use it for writing copy because it's useless because I have, I don't want to, it's not bragging, but I do have a unique way of writing things. And I do work with clients who have a very unique way of talking. So using ChatGPT for that, it's pointless. However, I use it to help me analyze large amounts of data. So if I have a customer avatar to do, I would take the raw data, questions and answered, answers, comments from, I know, a Facebook posts, uh, reviews from Amazon, lots of information. And I would say, analyze this and identify three to five common themes. What is the most common thing that shows up from all of these things? Who do you think is the audience based on what they're saying? Uh, if I have demographics like age, location, um, income level, I ask it to tell me what are the generations these people are members of. Give me a profile of these generations. Then how does this compare to uh, there's a in a consumer behavior, there's um, a report, it, it's called VALS, and it's values, attitudes, lifestyles, and beliefs. So out of mm. the VALS report, which of these values match our audience based on the language they have? So I use it for analyzing all that raw data, and then I use it to give me a list of ideas. So when I said before that I do a lot of context and relevancy-based emails, that's where I get my information from. It's like a lot of research. So, okay, we have this audience, business to business, um, who are looking for new prospects in the US. What are the biggest problems they have? Who else is talking to this audience? Where are they going to find that information? Do you have industry data information from the US Bureau of whatever? How many small businesses actually fail? What happens in the month of August that small businesses in this industry in the US should be aware of? So it's a lot of, similar to what I would do if I would be able to brainstorm with another person. Right, they I'm can give you ideas, question. but they're not going to exactly. give you the end product. No, the end product is, that's very frustrating for me because sometimes I feel like I'm really stuck on writing stuff. And I would love to be able to use the AI to kind of solve my problem, but um, it doesn't really help. So I use like less than 1% of what it delivers in terms of, you know, copy for sales pages and, and emails. Yeah, I, I found it to be pretty ineffective. It was funny to see how I think people think the AI is thinking and really it's grabbing a ton of information out there. And since most emails are shit, it's going yeah. to mimic all that. It doesn't know what's good and bad. It just says there's more of this. So it must, I mean, if you have, I think if you have to have it do a value uh, for it, what it seems to do is just say, oh, here's what everybody's saying. So that's the truth. Or here's, Here's the email content I'm seeing, and the, what there's the most of out there is like the worst. <laughs> so you yeah. get these uh, 
these email types that I just cringe and say, wow, this made almost every mistake possible, um, but can be very effective for giving ideas. I've seen it, uh, you know, come up with 20 subject lines for, um, mm -hmm. and you can put your email content in there and see, and then you can give it prompts. So give me a funny subject line, give me this, give me that. So if you ask the right yeah. questions, it can give you some good ideas that you can choose from, I think. Yeah, I use it a lot for brainstorming. Um, and I just, sometimes you need a place to start from. And that kind of fires up all, you know, the ideas. And it's like, okay, I like that word. That word is awesome. Yeah, that completely makes sense. And it can, can describe what I do. Like customer-centric copywriting is something I got from interacting with ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. It can give you good ideas. Yeah. It might not have good ideas, but it can give you good ideas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I really like that customer centric stuff. And I was like, that's what I do. That's awesome. It wasn't related to copywriting. Right. It was related to something else. But I was like, that sounds awesome. I'm going to use that as a tagline. So all these tools, the tools are amazing. But it's always the human creativity and brain and like creative problem solving skills that we have that actually make our businesses stand out from the crowd. Because everybody can use ChatGPT, right? And you asked me before, what's the danger of using it? We're going to see really shitty content. Because now it's super easy to create like blog posts, right? We're going to see super shitty content, very vague with no kind of value or meat to it and that goes back to consumers saying no we don't want this we're not right. going to reward your website anymore with our visits if you continue to deliver content that is bad but for that to happen we also need consumers to be more aware and educated which is a problem you know general problem of the society we currently live in right they will continue to serve you shit sandwiches until you stop eating them so please yeah. stop eating the shit sandwiches because we do not want them served anymore yeah and for the business owners you always have a choice you can go with shitty content you can go with really bad marketing email marketing whatever you want bad service but it's always a choice you have and it doesn't mean that that's what you can afford right now. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the same thing you can afford tomorrow. Because if you want to be in business long term, you need to start delivering quality across all your business elements. Hmm. And I would say a lot of companies think, oh, that sounds like a lot. What Monica has been saying here, that's a lot to jump into. And what I would say is you any little thing helps. Any little, you know, again, set, set up a single email to go out and you do it once a year is better than no emails ever to anybody on your list. Uh, like just set it, set something to happen is better than nothing. We get people coming to us all the time with, Oh, can you clean our, our list? And we say, Oh yeah, sure. No problem. We look at it. We're like, wow, we couldn't believe how many of these records were bad. When was the last time you used it? Like, Oh, we're think we want to start sending emails again. We haven't used it in a couple of years. So I'm like, how have you not sent an email in a couple of years? Like sending the email cleans the list. People bounce. You get a thing saying they're not at the company anymore. That's doing it for you. You really only need to come to somebody like us when you haven't been sending for quite a while, which is, look, don't be embarrassed. You know, solve the problem. Take little baby steps to get it solved. But it, yeah, it's not, you don't have to go out and set up some massive system like you were saying that has every single day of the year has different sequences overlapping with tags. It's just do something. 
and then try to do it a little bit better. Um, yeah. Type type of a setup. Uh, let's build see. I think for we're. The That's like build for the future. Think of the business assets you need to build for the future. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Start start building something, <laughs> and with good content. I feel like we haven't talked about the actual content and that like you said at the beginning here's the magical trick to uh writing good content um yet other than to say speak to your audience um i know you said i believe you said at the beginning to write like you're speaking like you're actually yeah. talking to somebody i found an amazing tool i'll put it in the show notes uh recently that is a script timer tool designed for people writing scripts for commercials and movie scripts and television show scripts and that kind of stuff. But they have the AI voices now and you can take, I started taking our emails and putting them into there and then just playing them. And when you're reading the email, you read it differently. Let's say mm -hmm. it's like, like you said, like having another person there you're brainstorming with, except for it's not, it's like having, um, you know, except for this particular um, machine just reads them in a human voice and you hear it, and sometimes you, we catch bugs like, "Oops, that was a typo." You know, you'll you don't see the typo when you read it yourself. Sometimes other proofreaders, but when you hear it, you hear it pretty glaringly. But also, you hear whether it sounds conversational or not. And it was it was pretty awesome. Rather than just reading it out loud yourself, again, you, having someone else there that's just this machine reading it in a human voice was pretty awesome. I'll I'll put it in the uh, in the show notes. Um, we don't write commercial scripts or anything like that, but just for for copy having your copy read out loud to you, uh, it, it was pretty. And I think simple things like Word, I guess, can do that as well. It might not be as clean, but you can uh, put it into there's... a Word document and say it, just read it to me. I don't remember exactly, but I think Word has has this or its office um, where they, they read your copy and they give you a score, how easy it is hmm. to read. Oh, wow. Um, I've used it just when I'm lazy. Like I get a contract and I don't want to read the whole thing. I just paste it into Word and say, read it to me now. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But um, going back to being convers conversational and natural, clients don't want to talk to a robot. Clients don't always want to hear really dry and boring words, even if it's business to business. You're a lawyer, right? Okay, but do you always talk like a lawyer, a lawyer when you meet with friends, when you meet with colleagues? Maybe you do talk legal stuff, a law that was passed or whatever. How do you talk about that? How do you explain it? If, say, you're an if you talk like a lawyer, you probably don't have friends to meet with. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have plenty of friends to meet with. I think everybody wants to be friends with a lawyer. You don't oh, know. No, but if you them. speak the way lawyers write things. Oh then yeah, yeah, nobody's nobody's having a conversation with you. Exactly. Same goes for insurance. Same goes for, I don't know, financial advisors. Be human. Like why, if I would like, if I, I don't know, I would rather read the manual if I'm looking for dry information than actually read an email that bores me. Because this is happening on a digital device our attention spans are already like they're lower than a goldfish. If your email is super dry and filled with terminology, the brain is not going to pay attention to that because that's not 
why you came into your inbox. If I want to read about the law, I'm going to go to Google or to one of the websites that are actually doing that. Maybe I'm going to go to YouTube, but even there, I'm not going to expect something super dry. Now I so, want to go to YouTube shorts and see if they have, uh, and just like write an email in the style of whatever TikTok comes up, comes up next or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just convert what they say to an email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be, be human. Like it's not complicated. If you, you go over these false standards that some people have, like they see what's happening in their inbox and they assume they have to do the same thing. You right. don't have to do the same thing. If 99% of people are doing it and that's the normal thing, it doesn't mean normal is actually good or healthy. Right. And think about, you know, everybody talks about Apple and how they're standing out from the crowd and they have like their one word punchline and everybody wants to be like them, but almost nobody is willing to invest in marketing research, into developing the brand and into having the conversations they're having because they're not talking about features. They're talking about benefits. Well, and I would say also, if you want to be like Apple, first, you have to become the most valuable company in the world, and then you can do what they do. But if nobody knows who you are, it's probably not the same strategy Apple and Coca-Cola and these companies are going to use that you can use because they're in a different area of uh, people knowing who they are than yeah, they, if you just copy there. So it's funny. I was going to say one good technique for people is just to look at all the emails in your inbox. Go through your junk folder. I love, I don't have a junk folder. There, it's just another inbox for me. I look through it all the time because I get great ideas on what not to do. I make fun of it on social media and I'll see an email every once in a while. While I'm like, oh, I like this word they used here. It caught my attention. I like the way they started this subject line. I like the way they're coming across. I like the cadence that they're writing their lines in. And you can mm -hmm. get good ideas from emails. They're just few and far between. And you, you know, yep. if you respond to an email, look at it and think why, and just, you know, copy something else out there that works well and convert it to your own needs. And, and that can help prompt things too, I think. That's a really good piece of advice. Yes. And you My can advice bring is stuff steal. from other <laughs> <laughs> You can bring you can bring stuff from other industries. Look at what your favorite brands are doing. Mm. Yeah, and try convert it. Yeah, try translate it to that. your brand. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because that's the thing with marketing. Everybody's trying to do what everybody else is doing, but then everybody else is doing the exact same thing. And no one is standing out. And ChatGPT is looking at all that and writing the same crap. <laughs> so people are doing it more now. Um, I'd say if you want to be like Apple, don't be like Apple now. Be like Apple early on. And I believe their motto early on was steal. <laughs> they had a pirate flag flying and they were literally just like, oh, we just steal ideas from other people. Why reinvent the wheel when you can steal somebody else's wheel? Like, <laughs> When it comes to ideas, they're out there. They are public information. So yeah, your inbox is just companies sending you. I mean, I know sign up for your competitors' newsletters and see how they're putting stuff together and say, great idea they're using here. Let me do that within the insurance industry. Geico started doing really interesting, fun, funny commercials. Some people would say, and some people are annoyed, but all the other insurance companies have followed now. 
they're all doing the same thing. They're all saying, oh, we need to have this humor angle because our product sucks and nobody wants to listen to it. But they'll listen to Mayhem for a minute. They'll look forward to that. Um, and they didn't all say, well, Geico's doing it, so we can't. They all said, no, our competitor has a good idea. We better go in that direction. Uh, so, yeah, there's tons of great content ideas out there. You just have to look around, absorb it, stop yeah. deleting your your spam box and start reading it. And Yeah, uh, and don't be afraid to stand out. Don't be afraid to stand out. Why would you? If your service or product is good and you know it delivers value to your audience, why would you let competitors run you out of the game just because they're more visible than you are? Maybe some maybe some of them have more money to invest in marketing or in ads. Don't do it like them. Do That's what's like beautiful you. about email. They can't outspend you in email. Yes. It's, they, well, it's, they can buy a list, but but you can hey come to us. You can buy a list too. <laughs> you know, mention this episode. We'll give you half off or something to help you with your compete with your uh, with your outspending competitors. Um, but I, I, it is the most cost effective. One of the great things about email. I mean, that's why I like this business. Is the small company can compete. It's not like Google Ads where you're saying, "Oh, how much money are we just going to pour into it this month to try to compete." Another company's pouring more. Now we have to up ours. What comes out? Email's pretty. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you get the stuff. It's very you own cost effective. It. Yeah, I think that's why it has the highest ROI because it has the lowest investment. The return is a lot easier to get when you have a low investment, but you still get in front of people uh, because you own it. To, yeah, I was trying to remember because I actually read that that data today uh, but i don't remember exactly but the return on investment is insane quoting the actual email i wrote today they're usually cheating on those numbers though people will be like you're gonna get 40 times return on investment you're like great so if i put you know in this much money or you're gonna get 400 times or forth and it's like yeah they're they're using the metrics from some crazy industries that do really well because they want to make yeah. it sound good too and then people are bummed when they don't get those returns. Like you, you got to work at it. Just remember the investment is so small. It's just a little of your time and energy. But still, if you pay, I don't know, $4 per lead from pay traffic, right? And they sign up to your lead magnet and you have an email automated funnel that converts that lead into a 100 offer. And you take out the cost of the email marketing platform. You take the cost of the, you know, $4 you paid on ads and whatever. You're still going to see a pretty good chunk of profit. Something that's not really doable if you don't have an automated funnel that converts for you. Right. You can send them straight to a salesperson. But they if they haven't had those, you know, nurturing ex experiments, nurturing points, with your brand before you sell to them, they're not likely to convert. So you're making a great point here. Nobody likes the car dealer guy who, you know, you're walking by the dealership and he's like, hey, what can I do to get you in a car today? You know, nobody wants that. It's why they don't want to go to a deal. It's like we have car vending machines now because they're like anything not to have that guy saying, you know, what can I do to get you in a car today? Um the marketing and the ongoing flow of emails that you're talking about, the information, giving them FAQ type things, just a little touch here and there, rather than what can I do to get you in a car today every single time. By the time then 
sales comes around and says, what can I do to get you in a car today? That's not who you are as a company to them. Mm -hmm. So they're probably much more receptive to actually interact with sales instead of totally stonewalling because you've already had all these soft interactions that are basically letting them know this is not stranger danger. This is a friendly people that send me this, you know, random FAQ email every once in a while. I can actually respond to this guy and tell him nothing or tell him, tell me more about this. Psychologically, when you receive something free, even if it's in the form of content or advice and it helps you, your brain changes how it perceives that brand or that person. You're more receptive to it just because like, hey, somebody gave me something free that helped me. That's one thing. The second one is this person or brand has helped me solve some of the problems I've had. Yes, I was thinking, well, what's the best car I could get for this budget? Or what's the best car I could I could get if I'm a mom or whatever, you know? And exactly, by the time you're ready to introduce them to a more direct pitch, they've, they've already answered some of the objections and concerns they had, and they did it in their own time. That's super important. Because you weren't pushing them over the edge and blasting 10 emails in a day. You actually gave them enough time to focus on each aspect at a single time. And they were able to digest that and whatever, go along with their lives. Obviously, that assumes that they actually opened the email. But um, it's still a very, very effective channel. You can't do that with Facebook. Right. Or with cold calling or with just about anything. Um, it's why email's so great. Uh, so we've completely run out of time here. Um, but and we barely talked wait, I mean every the whole conversation's been about you and what you do. But can you tell the audience kind of copywriting, right? You handle that, but what services you handle um in case this all does sound so overwhelming, they're like, yeah, but can I just have somebody do it for me? Um, Well, I do specialize for email marketing, like sales emails and sales page funnels for course creators. But for everybody else, I do lots of consulting and copy coaching and one-time services such as strategy for automated emails, like what you should have after you sign up for a lead magnet, what each email should talk about, what you actually do the writing yourself or with your team. I do coach people. Into, you know, if you have a writer and you want to train them, they can learn with me. Uh, I also do customer avatar and consumer behavior profiles, and I love those as a one-time services. Even though you hate them, you said, you'd like to have them, oh, you'd like to have the research gone. You still want to do the profile. It's amazing to have that kind of information about the group of people. And I think you asked me before about the superpower. I would love to educate people about what they're actually doing because of the things that define them and how people are using marketing to exploit those things. That would be an awesome superpower. Yeah. We should, I would love to have like a marathon. Here's (laughs) how marketers are exploiting you. Yes, that is, there's a lot of manipulation. Yes, exactly. But you don't have to manipulate people. That's the whole thing with customer-centric copywriting. You're not manipulating or using fear tactics 
to drive people into working with you. That's not going to work long term. Right. Um, fantastic. Any fine? I mean, that's a pretty good message to put out there. Um, but uh, any final message on email copywriting and email sequences in general for people? Any last bit of magic? Uh, 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 magic advice? Like my best advice is to think about what they're doing when they're talking to a lead. What are they saying? What are the questions that person is asking? Those are your first emails. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I'd like to encourage people to check out the show notes on ifumarket.com. We'll have uh, your website, Monica uh, Badu. That's B-A-D-I-U right.com. And um, we'll have a couple other links there, your LinkedIn, your YouTube page. Um, we've got a link for your SOP profile webpage. That's the thing that you're mm -hmm. in love with, right? <laughs> That's actually speak on podcasts. Those oh my gosh. My... I hear uh, SOP, I think standard operating procedures. <laughs> speak oh, on I, podcasts. I love those. I love and hate those at the same time, but they're very useful. That should be like another podcast episode for your audience. Not with me, because I'm not the expert there, but that's a really important aspect of running a business. I think we've I think we've covered that for the listeners. If you're looking for standard operating procedures, they are very important. They seem dry, yes, but uh, oh my God, will they help you in the long run, especially as you're scaling and growing. Everything you do ever should have a Google Doc or something like that. Anyway, different topic. I, I believe we have a, another show on that. Uh, again, check the ifumarket.com website. Um, you, you can search, search for that show, I'm sure. And uh, in the show notes, we'll have all the information about Monica, how you can find her if you're looking for copywriting services, coaching on copywriting services, any of that kind of stuff. And on behalf of the If You Market team and Monica Badu, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with great email copy, they will come. Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted, high-quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000 like if you market the podcast here and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees and 1000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.